Hallelujah. So I'm going to be teaching you about something today, and I'm going to tell you up front. It could possibly offend you. If you get offended, we got a whole series called Unoffendable. So if you find yourself offended, go listen to it till you're not offended. So I'm going to talk about this. And so the title of my message today is, Are You in Position for Kingdom Prosperity? I can tell already y'all going to be tough. No, I mean, nobody even said amen except Sister Young. Thank you. God bless you, mother. Amen. But it's okay. So I want to start with just some premises. You know, we've been talking about the thinking feeling cycle. We've been talking about how your thinking is going to impact every area of your life. And I want you to understand when, when we talk about the thinking feeling cycle, we are not just talking about improving our thinking. We are talking about being, bringing our thinking in alignment with the kingdom. Tell your neighbor, say, we're talking about kingdom thinking, not just better thinking. Amen. So let me just start with some framework. God is good all the time and all the time. So God is good. Let's start there. God is a good God. Because God is a good God, everybody experiences his goodness, whether they do right or not. The Bible says it rains on the just as well as the unjust. When you are not living right, God don't withhold the sunshine from you. We, we can't tell who living in sin by who got access to sunshine and who don't. Everybody got access to sunshine. Everybody gets rain. Natural, con- I mean, you, you perform well at work. You get a promotion. I mean, God is good to everybody. However, you will never live your best life doing it your way. You will never live your best life doing it your way. So we're going to use some scriptures today. One of my favorite scriptures that we used with our kids growing up is Isaiah 119. It says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land, which suggests that there is some goodness in the land that is reserved for the willing and the obedient. So, if you're willing and obedient, willing and obedient combine to make submission. I made this post the other day where I talked about how a lot of us, we know the difference between obedience and submission. Let me demonstrate it to you real quick. You were watching TV. Your mama told you to get up and go wash the dishes. You got up and went to wash the dishes, but you had a bad attitude. You were obedient, but you weren't submissive. You were obedient because you were scared of the wrath of what was going to happen if you didn't get up and go wash those dishes. Many of you live towards God that way. When God asks you to do something or not to do something, you don't bring your heart into agreement. So your body is doing the actions, but your heart is salty the whole time. I can't believe he told me not to date them. I can't believe he asked me to give them um, some money. I did it. I can't believe he got me on this fast. You do it, but you don't bring your heart into agreement. But the Bible says the best life is for the people who let their heart match their actions. And only you and the Holy Spirit know whether your heart and your actions are aligned because we're all good at looking good even if our heart isn't aligned. How many of you have ever gone to work when you didn't want to? See, keep on proving it to me. Right, you, go, you didn't want to go. Right. So let's look at some scriptures. Let's look at Matthew 6 and 33. 
Matthew 6 and 33, um, very familiar passage of scripture. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. So the first thing, then, I mean, well, the first thing we established is God is good. But now we want to establish this, that God knows you need things. Can you say that? Say, God knows I need things. God is not crazy. God sent you in the earth realm. He created the earth realm. He knows that you need shelter. He knows that you need provision. He knows that you need help. He knows that you need clothes. And he's a good daddy, so he's not trying to just give you just raggedy stuff. He's not interested in you having a car that you got to pray that it crank up every time. That's not his will. He says, if you seek him and his righteousness, his righteousness is Christ. He says, so the way to the kingdom is through Christ. But once you have accepted Christ, you actually then have to do the work of transforming your thinking. You know, I grew up in the era where they said, I don't know if y'all know anything about this song, but when people get saved, they would say, my hands look new and my feet do too. The reality of it is, is that most of us tell the truth, your hands nor feet nor attitude look new after you got saved. You may have been excited, but then when somebody ticked you off, you cussed them out just like you did before you got saved. And so transformation is our responsibility where we get into the word, we find out what God thinks, we spend time in the word, we spend time in prayer, we go to church, we don't forsake the assembly of the saints together. And so I was really thinking about this because this weekend, oh, I'm sorry, Pastor Ellen said hi, he's out ministering today, but you know, I know y'all shocked because he don't go out and minister, but he's out ministering today. And so he said hello, but I was in Tampa this weekend, and one of the things I was thinking about is that because of social media, we now live in an era where people believe that because a prophetic word has been released, that you qualify for it. So it's like um, one of the famous ones everybody loves right now is Amos 9. If, if you can pull up Amos 9, I know it's out of order, Amos 9 in the message translation, everybody loves this scripture. They love it because it's like the word of the Lord right now. And it's like, oh, my God, this is what God is doing. He's bringing us into this place of obedience. I mean, to this place of abundance. And, we, you know, when it's go, things are going to happen. I want you to see it. And this may not be your favorite teaching, but it is one of those teachings that if you listen to it and you apply it to your life, it'll change your life. Because does God love you even when you don't live right? Yeah, just like you love your kids even when they don't live right. But I want you to stop and ask yourself, if you had a kid who was 15 who snuck out of the house, are you buying them a car at 16? Do you love them? Do you want them to have a car? Are you giving them a car? Not unless you don't have good sense. You know, I mean, you just like, this was my ideal plan for you, but you're not participating. So because you're not participating, we go hold up on this car. You could have already had the money in the car set aside. We got this great story about one of our kids who um, was wanted a new cell phone. It's like the week before their birthday, we already got the cell phone. We like, you should chill out. You should get a better attitude. You should chill out. Listen, your attitude is going to disqualify you from the thing that you're believing for. I'm telling you over and over again, mercy on top of mercy, grace on top of grace. On that 13th birthday, it was like they just wigged out and we went, no phone. They're like, oh, God, ah! 
talking to me? Seven days. Oh, please stop. Please come back. Please pause your behavior. We already had the phone. What is it that God already has that your disobedience keeps separating you for? And I know nobody likes this right now because, you know, everybody like, oh, well, God is a God of grace and mercy. He is. He is. God is also a God who expects obedience. He is. So I know nobody likes this part. Uh, keep on going, keep on going. Keep on going. It's down until about verse 9. Verse 9. I just like to teach because I like for people to understand. Now, okay, not 9. Go again. Next 9. Wait, hold on. 13. Go. Go ahead. Yes, everybody loves this part of the scripture right here. You see it. You can post one thing out of it. Anybody who's been reading the Bible and heard the prophecy, people get crunk. I posted on my social media page like 300 people liked it. Like 300 people don't even talk to me. Like where did y'all all come from? Except here's what happened. It says, yes, indeed, it won't be long now. God's decree. Things are going to happen so fast your head will swim. You're like, yes, yes, I'll take it. I'll take it. I believe I receive one thing fast upon the heels of another. Yes, yes, yes. Everywhere you you look, it'll be happening all at once. Everywhere you look, blessings. You're like me. Sign me up. Me. Next. Mountains on top of hills. I'll make everything right again for my people, Israel. They will rebuild their ruined cities. You're like, yes, I'm going to get a house this year. I'm going to get a promotion. My marriage is going to work out. This is my time. It's my season. It's me. It's ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Yes, yes. Share, share, share. I believe I receive. Go back to the verse before that, though. Because <laughs> I think... This is so interesting. Now switch this to the King James Version. It says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper, the treader of grapes on him that soweth seed, the mountain shall drop sweet wine, and all the hills will melt. That's basically the same thing, right? Things are going to happen so fast, one right on top of another. Basically, here's what it's saying. It's saying you're going to move into a season where literally you're going to be harvesting in one area and you're going to harvest so long that your harvest are going to start overtaking each other. That sounds good, right? Amen. Does it sound good? Here's the thing, though. It tells you who it's going to happen for. The plowman. If you ain't plowing nothing, what you going to get? It tells you what's going to happen for the plowman, what's going to happen for the reaper, and what's going to happen for the treader of grapes. You ain't plowing, you ain't in position to reap, and you ain't treading nothing. I think that this is so important to say. I believe I receive does not negate obedience. Thank you for the one clap. Thank you. And I want to help you because I don't want you to live a raggedy life. You cannot wait every time a prophetic word is thrown out that makes you excited. It's my season. It's my time. It's always a season and a time for a people that are doing a thing. So here's what this scripture says. If you have been sowing consistently, there is going to come a season where your harvests are going to come up so fast that you won't be able to get it all. If you have not been sowing, it ain't even talking to you. And I just want to say this because I like to take it outside of something besides prosperity and the way that we think about it. 
So here's a, some, uh, an example. So, you know, last month, this month, whichever month it was, they featured Serena on a couple of magazines. I post pictures because I like Serena. I'm like, dude, she dope. She fire, right? She is. And it's always amazing. I post the pictures and somebody goes, I'm about to put down snacks. Baby, you go do them put, put down more than snacks to look like Serena. You now think that giving up cake for two days and going to the gym and, and half working out for 37 minutes is now going to make you look like Serena. It's the same thing for the people who have not been faithful over the things of God, but you think because you came to church one time in six weeks and high five with pastor that your life is going to turn around. And I owe you to tell you that ain't how it works in the kingdom. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and these things will be added unto you. It means that God has a way of doing things. Now, God is so good that if you don't do things his way, he don't call you names. But there are some things that are not released until you obey. Oh, I know, I know. Nobody likes that. Third John 2. So I'm asking you to judge yourself. Am I ready for kingdom prosperity? One of the things I notice in society is that we will see what somebody has. And it doesn't matter what it is somebody's car, somebody's position at work, the marriage that somebody has, somebody's body, somebody's money. And then we'll look at it and we'll get excited and we'll say, I want that too. But how many of you know, Sparky, could you stand up? Because Sparky work out all the time. Sparky, could you stand up? Stand up. Come here. Let me use you for a second. Come on. Come on. Because I want you to see how silly it is to think that just because you make a confession, I can get up here right now and I can say, I decree and declare in the name of Jesus that over the next 12 months, God wants your body to line up and be in the best shape that it's ever been in. You're going to find abs you ain't seen since you were 16. You're going to be able to run. You're going to be able to run and not get weary. You're going to be able to do a push-up and not be on your knees. And right now, everybody who believe that, come up here and high-five Sparky. And you can run up here and high-five Sparky, but if you go home and you keep eating and do, eating the way you was doing and you keep sitting up watching TV while Sparky at the gym, at the end of the year, you're going to be like, God lied to me. No, you lied to you by thinking that you could run a hustle on something that has a physical component. So in truth... Some people look like Sparky when it comes to sewing. They've been sewing when it cost them something. They've been sewing when it meant not going on vacation. They've been sewing when it meant getting up early in the morning and rewriting their vacation and rewriting their budget. They've been doing it. And while they was doing it, they weren't always taking pictures of it. I want to say this. I noticed this. Anybody who's tracking my progress, you notice that when I started working out with Jimmy, I don't have no pictures. All the pictures I get, Jimmy take. In fact, most of the time when Jimmy turns the camera to me, I say, get that out of my face. Why? Because I'm not focused on what you think about what I'm doing. I'm focused on my ability to stay focused on what it is that I'm doing. Some of you, your seed don't look like this. 
your seed look like this. And if we both right now try to do push-ups, we going to see who built some endurance in this thing. I can tell you right now, he won. We ain't going to even get down and do that. He wins. He wins. He wins. But I don't have the right to be salty that he can do in the gym what I can't do when he was in the gym when I was sitting at home. Thank you. Do you understand what I'm saying? And if you have not been faithful in the things of God, because just like it takes some consistency to go to the gym, anybody who works out consistently will tell you they don't always want to do it. Anybody who is eating well will tell you they don't always want to do it. Anybody who is consistent in prayer will tell you we don't always want to pray, especially for you when you're not praying. You know how challenging it is to pray on Tuesday night when I'm watching you post? So you on Facebook, but you're not in prayer. And then you're like, can you pray for me to get a job? Pray for your own dang job. But you can't be mad because Chandra can produce something in prayer that you can't because you was too busy to come to prayer because you didn't have 30 minutes on Tuesday. You can't be upset because somebody knows how to get a breakthrough fasting when you don't never fast. Listen, I know, I know, I know. I just want to help you. Hear me. I know fasting is really difficult. I grew up in a church where we never fasted. In fact, we so didn't fast that they said if you didn't fast, if you didn't eat for three days, you'd die. That's how much we didn't fast. The first 12 times I fasted, I quit just for three days because I was scared I was going to die, okay? But here's what I can tell you. If you forget we fast every Tuesday, you're not committed. Amen. No, every, you, we fast Tuesday, Monday at 8 to Tuesday at 8, every week for over a year. You forget every week, you ain't committed. You ain't forget every week. You just decided you're not participating. And then you say you forgot. Like every Tuesday you eat cake. So the rest of us ain't eating cake, but every Tuesday, the Holy Ghost don't never say to you, hey, we're fasting today. I'm asking you, are you ready for kingdom prosperity? Because kingdom prosperity has a twofold purpose. So let's look at it. Third John 2, let's go there. Third John 2, it says, Beloved, above all things, I wish that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prosper. Tell your neighbor, say, God wants me to prosper. But I have to participate. How many of you know that God wants everybody to be fit and healthy? God wants everybody to be fit and healthy. Now, you could just choose what. Now, I didn't say God wants everybody to look like they could be um, from Wakanda in one of the warriors. I, did, I didn't say that. I didn't say everybody had to be able to run 26 miles, but everybody ought to be fit and healthy. If you're not fit and healthy, and you're not even trying to get fit and healthy, how can you be upset because your body is betraying you? I mean, how long are you going to be like the cleaners shrunk my clothes? All of them? 
They shrunk all your clothes. And then when you go to the store, the size you used to wear in that size don't fit anymore, but the, and the store shrunk the clothes too? Yeah, I don't drink water because I don't like water. So, drink it anyway. You need it. I'm trying to get you to understand because I don't want people to get to the end of the year and be like, why are we not prospering? And you're like, so-and-so is prospering. And then what happens when people see folks prospering and they're not prospering and they come up with theology to support it. Oh, well, God likes them better. They're in a holding pattern. God's not forgiving me for my path, whatever the case may be. When the truth is, you got to ask yourself, am I an active participant in what God is trying to do in my life? And what I see is so many people that when something exciting, amazing is coming, it's like when people go, oh, you know, somebody's like, God is releasing a millionaire anointing. And everybody's like, pick me, pick me, pick me. What would you do with a million dollars? How would you having a million dollars impact the kingdom? Like if I had a million dollars, I would be a blessing. You're not a blessing with $10. You're not going to be a blessing with a million dollars. Tell the truth. You're not. If you will not give a dollar out of 10, you are not giving 100,000 out of a million. You may not want to hear it, but it's just the truth. And sometimes you need to hear stuff that challenges you to grow up so that you're not disappointed in the end. And you're like, it's like if you've ever had a good coach, if you've ever had a good coach, a good coach is going to push you in off season because in off season, you can think that you better than you are. And then you get out there in that first game and you get smacked in the mouth. I'm trying to help you not get smacked in the mouth. I'm saying that this is the season that you demand that you grow up. This is the season that you say, God, I have these theories in my life where I'm not in obedience to you and I'm bringing myself into obedience. So I don't want to fast on Tuesday, but I go to a church that fasts on Tuesday, so I'm going to fast on Tuesday. You sleep eight hours of the fast anyway. It ain't even a total fast. It's no sweets, no junk. Now, what the old saints would tell you is that that ain't even a fast. Old saints say that ain't even a fast. Oh, some of the old saints won't even let you drink water on the fast, even in July. They like the Lord to be your supply. They like, don't brush your teeth. Don't you just sit before the Lord. We like all we ask you to do is don't eat sweets, don't eat junk food for 24 hours and pray over the vision. All right, so he wants us to prosper, be in health. Now, let's think about this. Jeremiah 29 11, are you learning something? Let's all say this. Say, we still love you. All right, I love y'all too. All right. He says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, said the Lord. They are thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. So God has an end in mind for you. If you've ever had a good coach, a good coach had an end in mind for you. If you ever had a good teacher, a good teacher had an end in mind for you. When I was in the ninth grade, I had an English teacher and I wrote a paper and she gave the paper back to me. And she said to me, she said, other people would have been impressed with this because they don't know your capabilities. She said, I don't want this mess. I was like, shook it. <laughs> but she is the reason that I learned to get intentional about writing well because she was like, I'm not impressed with this. 
See, I think it's like this. When you're a baby in Christ, God is like, that's okay. Come on, baby, get up. Like when a little kid is walking, right? When a little kid is, starts to walk, we're not out here yelling at the kid, talking about run. we like, come on, take two steps. You got it. They take two steps, and we clapping. Well, right now, who would think it's weird if we stood up and took two steps and people started clapping? No, it, it, it's natural when it's a baby because they don't have the ability to do that yet. But when you're an adult and you, and you take two steps and people start clapping, we like, what are you impressed by? Some of you have more experience with God than you acknowledge. No one is impressed with the bare minimum that you're putting out now. That worked when you started. You didn't just start. If you just start walking on a treadmill and you just walked on a treadmill every day for 30 minutes, that's all you did. If you just walked on a treadmill every day for 30 minutes, you get fast at it just by showing up, right? Your endurance, would, your, your heart would beat more efficiently. You would get better at it. It just wouldn't make any sense that if you start walking on a treadmill today and today it took you 22 minutes to walk a mile, that six months from now, it should take you 22 minutes to walk a mile. We'd be like, you ain't even trying. In six months, you could sit down for a minute and finish the mile in 22 minutes. You've got to challenge yourself to grow up. Tell your neighbor, say, you got to challenge yourself to grow up. And I think we do people a huge disservice when we tell people you're going to be blessed without understanding that the, almost every promise of God is a if-then promise. He says, if you do this, I will do this. Just like this. He says, if you want to be saved, here's what you got to do. You got to confess in your heart and you have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. If you, then I. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. I think we do people a huge disservice when we treat people like all, like, Oprah, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. No, some of you don't get a car because you didn't go to work. Amen, saints. Don't worry, we almost done. Genesis, <laughs> Deuteronomy 8 and 18. Because I'm talking about the twofold purpose of prosperity. God has a twofold purpose of prosperity. He says, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for he gives thee the power to get wealth that he may do what? He do what? Establish what? Which he did what? So your access to total life prosperity is based on a promise he didn't even make to you. He made a promise to Abraham. We're going to see that. He says, I want you to prosper because your prosperity is the fulfillment of what I promised to Abraham. Because the Bible says if you've been born again, you have been grafted in and you and Abraham is your father, which means that you're entitled to the same blessings that Isaac and Jacob and them got. You've been grafted in. He says, so I want you to prosper because your prosperity is an establishment of my covenant. So God is about the kingdom. I just want you to stop and think about this. God's about his kingdom, right? If you take care of God's house, he takes care of your house, right? So you can say you want kingdom prosperity, but if you're not interested in the things of God, how would you qualify for kingdom prosperity? If he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, I got a way of doing things, I got a way of being right, and these things will be added unto you. If you don't care about what he cares about, 
then how do you qualify for his prosperity? I'm not telling you that you can't use principles and produce some stuff in your life. I'm talking about supernatural breakthrough, things that you can only say God did it. I'm saying that those things come when we align ourselves to his processes, his process, and we submit and do it his way. Let's go to Genesis, 1, um, Genesis 12. And so what I see is that I see people like, let me just talk to you. I see people saying stuff like, I want a Bentley, but you wouldn't let somebody ride in your Corolla. Why would God bless you with a Bentley? I'm not saying you can't work and get a Bentley. I'm saying what purpose would God have in just giving you a Bentley? When the car you have right now, you don't want to get nobody a ride in. Somebody will put in a group, in the group, I need a ride to church, crickets. I live by this street. I'm looking, I'm like, you pass by there, you pass by there, you pass by there. Oh, nobody can ride with you. Oh, it don't have to be this way, guys. Genesis 12. It says, now the Lord said unto Abraham, he said, get thee out of thy country. This word still applies to you. This country, it's your mentality that you have. He says, if you want to be blessed, you're going to have to get out of what's familiar and think like me. You're going to have to align how you run your family, how you run your money, how you run your prayer life, how you treat your life. You're going to have to align with me. Get out of your country and from your kindred and your father's house unto a place I'm going to show you. That's why it doesn't make sense for us to say it doesn't make sense that God would ask us something. You don't know everything that God would ask you to do. God would never, you sure? Because he asked Jesus to go to the cross. So God, I know that it's a lot of people who run in hustles on the street. But are you sure God didn't ask you to get him $20? You've already decided. I don't give no homeless people, no, because they all run in a scam. So then what happens when he tells you to? Because if you won't give the $20 that he told you to give to a homeless person because you think they run in a scam, then you just show that you're not tied into his kingdom, that your money is yours and you do it what you want to. Oh, okay. He says, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Look at what he says here. He says, I want to bless you because I love you. Say, the first reason that God blesses me is because he loves me. The second reason is for me to be a blessing. So when everything, all our goal list is about how we go ball out. No, no, really. All your goals is about how you go ball out, how you go live large, how where you go live, what you go go, what you go carry, what you're going to do, how you go show up big, how you blinging, all of that stuff. Where is the space for God to tell you what he wants you to do with the prosperity he gave you? Why are y'all looking at me like that? Huh? No, I'm serious. If your whole list of goals, on your list of goals, 
Because the most selfish form of prosperity is to take care of you, your foe, and no more. There is nothing more selfish than I want to be blessed just for me. Who do you want to be blessed for? Who gets the benefit out of what God is doing in your life? Could your enemy get your last hundred dollars? Well, if it's God's, could they? See, that's when the rubber meet the road. Everybody's spiritual at church. You know what I'm saying? Hallelujah. I love the Lord. God, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. Your majesty, people crying, weeping. They didn't emptied out the tissue boxes today. Your majesty, you're so wonderful. You're so amazing. You're so wonderful. Give them $100. That's the devil. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not tithing. I'm not fasting. I'm under a new covenant. I don't have to fast. Well, Jesus actually said when you fast, not if you fast. When means there is a designated time to do it. I'm not going to fast for new jobs, but I want y'all to add my name to the list. Because I eat cakes on Tuesday. And I know y'all fasting for promotion and best year yet. So be sure to add my name. Lift me up in prayer. That's how I know God love people because he don't let preachers talk to people like we really want to talk to you. He'd be like, they're my people. Don't treat them like that. But I want, you want to be like, did you ask me to pray for you? Pray for yourself. I'm like that little boy on that video. I'm sick of this church. Jokes, jokes, jokes. All right. So Genesis 8 and 22, because you're blessed to be a blessing. So, so say it again, and then we're going to give these steps, and we're going to be out of here. Genesis 8 and 22, and then Ecclesiastes. Yeah. Y'all all right? Does this make sense to you? Can you see areas in your life where you like, all right, Holy Ghost, I need to get myself together. I love when people say stuff like, I'm just going to get in all your business today, okay? Like when people say stuff like, I can't stop cussing. So I want to be clear about this because I just need you to riddle me this. Run this with me. You believe that Jesus was dead in the ground for three days and then a power raised him up. And that power lives in you and you can't stop cussing. I'm just trying to be clear about the stories that you tell yourself. Because we, we do a lot of things that's popular. I love Jesus and I curse a lot, but is God pleased with you cursing? Can he have them curse words? Or are those curse words so important that you like, I love Jesus, but I curse a little? And I, I think the, trage the tragedy is that in trying to make church so comfortable for people, we don't make it comfortable for the Holy Spirit, and he's the only one who changes people. And so we say, well, just come like you are. Well, yeah, come like you are, but don't stay like you are. I mean, you came mean, but don't stay mean. You came fornicating, but don't keep fornicating. You came getting high before service, but don't stay getting high before service. There ought to be some growing and becoming in the life of a believer. And the truth of it is, is that we have to find a way to say we really, really love you and we love you enough not to let you be comfortable staying the same. It's okay that you started out in school and you behind reading. But we don't want you to be behind reading in the eighth grade. So, it says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Seed time and harvest. When I'm talking about prosperity, I'm talking about total life. Say total life. total 
total life. So if you're going to have a happy marriage, you go sow some stuff different than people who don't have a good marriage. The truth of it is, anybody here has a good marriage, we can tell you the stuff that you're not doing. Here's the problem, though, because when people are having trouble in their marriage, everybody thinks their trouble is exceptional. You don't know what I'm going through. I know because you're the only person married to somebody. Got it. Good. I got it. Good. Good. People who have learned to be married have learned to do the stuff that everybody who is successfully married learns how to do. Forgive. Over and over and over and over. Again, if you're not a good forgiver, you're not going to be married. If you a grudge holder, if you still talking about something that happened 10 years ago, you're not going to be happily married. Because if you're married for 20 years, now you're talking about stuff that happened in your first year of marriage, man, you're just not a forgiver. People who are happily married forgive quick and have short memories. People who are happily married, remember, they have flaws too. Because you can get to living with somebody and you can get to tricking yourself. Like you so amazing and they not. And then they start running your little stuff and you crying somewhere because, see, you just, you was being a jerk about the stuff that you was saying. And, they, and then they get tired of you and they be like, well, you know, since we point out flaws. I mean, since we point out flaws. I hate the way you chew. Everybody who is married learns to die to themselves. Everybody who's faithfully married learns to die to themselves. Faithful people are not blind. We just committed. You just, you see somebody and you go, ooh, and you go, leave, 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 because this could be bad, leave. Everybody who has a good relationship with their kids, let me tell you the one secret that everybody who has good relationship with their kids knows. They will talk to you about stuff you do not care about. You will act interested. You will act interested. You will pay attention. You will let them tell you everything when they come home from preschool and everything from first grade and everything from second grade because you need them talking in the ninth grade and you need them talking in the tenth grade. So you will listen to all of the stories, all of them, even when they overshare, even when they tell you about Sarah again, even when they keep talking to you, you will listen that everybody who is a good parent has learned to listen. They have learned to repent when they blow it. Because everybody who is a good parent knows they blow it. How many good parents you know you blow it? You're like, yeah, my bad. I started. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to holler at you. You just happened to ask at the wrong time. Let me hold on a second. I'll be back. Everybody who's faithful and coming to church. Let me let y'all in on a little secret. Those of y'all who got random church attendance. None of us want to be here every week. The people who show up and greet every week, they don't want to greet. Sometimes they just want to sit down. The musicians, they don't want to play every week. Even if they like music, they don't want to play every week. The people who sing, they don't want to sing every week. I certainly don't want to preach. I didn't want to come today. 
And the fact that you think that it's something exceptional about us. No, we just get up and come anyway. We get up and we come when we had a late night. We get up and we come even when we didn't feel good. We get up and we come even when it meant we had to get on the road in order to get back. We do it because it's needed, not because we want to. It's just a matter of grow up. And to think that you're going to get the best that God has and you never have to do anything that you don't want to do. Do you have any idea in the course of ministry how many people I have wanted to cuss out? Do you know how irritating church people can be Do you know how many times I've had to pray for somebody who I know lied on me? Do you know how many times I've had to let people have money who talked about me having money saying that I was a preacher so I had to be stealing money? But are you cool with me stealing as long as I help you? We do it because he asks us to, not because we always want to. And the more, it's just like the gym. The more you discipline your flesh the more your flesh bows. Some of you can't grow up because you never discipline your flesh. You eat everything you want. You move how you want. You say what you want. You watch TV when you want to watch it. You spend your money when you want to spend it. You don't shut up in your marriage when the Holy Ghost tells you to. You don't talk when he tells you to talk. And then you wonder why nothing changes. Because everybody has the responsibility to crucify their flesh and say, God, not my will. My will is to cuss them out. Your will says to love on them. Does that make sense? Let's do these five steps and let's go. I'll pick up with the rest of this next time I teach. So I'm going to give you five steps. Did you learn something out of this? And then the other thing, too, with people in relationships, people in relationships have a tendency to try to measure what you should be doing based on what other people are doing. So, like, married people know this well. Anybody ever had to go on a diet because their spouse was on a diet? That's not how this works. If you're supposed to be on the plan, be on the plan. So if God called you to 5 o'clock prayer, get up quietly. Don't wake up the rest of the family. He called you to 5 o'clock prayer. Not you salty because I don't have to get up so you praying loud, got the music up, praise dancing. If the Lord told you to fast on Thursday, that don't mean all your girlfriends go fast on Thursday. That means the Lord told you to fast on Thursday. If the Lord told you to give up sodas, it ain't your responsibility. I remember when Chris gave up sodas, the Lord put on my heart to give up sodas and stuff. And we, listen, we, in our community, we go challenge your commitment to the Lord. Because nobody stopped drinking sodas. Because, in fact, we was like, hey, give us her, her soda. But before you know it, she had done a year. And then before she, you know it, she had done two years. What? Every week that she saw us drinking sodas, she had to crucify the thing in her to drink a soda to do what God told her to do. Where is your surrender to what God is telling you to do? Or do you only do what you want to do? 
So final points. You got to make a decision to do things the kingdom way. Find out what God wants and do it. Find out what he wants and do it. Can I help you? Some of you could just start with something basic. Can you pray every day? It's not that hard to pray. How do you forget to pray? It's God. He everywhere. You can talk to him anywhere. Train yourself. Well, I just forget the prayer. Great. You have something called a smartphone. That smartphone has something in it called reminders. It has something in it called alarms. Set the alarms. Let the alarm go off and go pray. But this is what I often say to my kids. It is so interesting to me that you can keep up your Snapchat streaks, but you can't remember to pray. You can post on social media. You can video. You can TikTok. But you can't pray. Hmm. Number two, honor God by being faithful. God is not going to make you be faithful. But honor God. But don't, honor, don't obey God because you're scared you go get a whooping if you don't wash the dishes with a good attitude. Honor God the same way you should. Listen, anybody ever wanted to fight their kid because... I mean fight them. I don't mean whoop them. I mean you want to square up. <laughs> I don't want to. You want to fight your kid because literally your kid will ask you to do 37 things and then you will say, can you wash the dishes? And they like, what? No, come on. Come to the mat. Let Square up. Square up. Like, it, it takes all of the love you have on the inside of you. One of my kids was talking to me one time. You know, my kids don't know me pre-Jesus. Ever since I've been with them, I've been with Jesus, right? And so, <laughs> one of my older kids said to me, because we had had a conflict and I stopped talking. And my kid said to me, well, I feel like when you don't talk, you're being passive-aggressive. Okay, can I hit him in the face, Lord? No, okay, all right. So let me explain something to you. There is nothing passive-aggressive about me. My aggressive is aggressive. If I am ever not talking to you, I am attempting to preserve the relationship. Because not only am I aggressive, but I grew up on a bus where people talk about people. And I know all my flaws, but you don't know yours. And if we start bannering back and forth in words, you gonna need therapy. Because I've raised you in a world that's different than my world. So when I point out your flaws, you don't have the wherewithal to be able to recover. So what you think is passive aggressive is actually me holding hell back off of you because you don't want this smoke. This ain't the smoke you want. What I'm trying to get you to understand is that if we will ex operate with that kind of restraint toward people that we love, the more we do it, the more we develop the muscle. 
the more we develop the muscle, the more we, every time we don't say everything we want to say, every time we sow when we don't want to sow, every time we fast when we don't want to fast, we are developing the muscle. You're not really developing the muscle when you do it when you wanted to do it. You're really developing the muscle when the Lord says, I know she's talking crazy, but send her the flowers anyway. And all the men failed. Uh, and the men failed. They, they say they go do better. I felt yeah. some of them shook their heads and not I'm not yet. But I'm but I'm serious. So honor God and give up your excuses. Tap into his grace. If other people can obey God, you can obey God. If other people can be faithful in giving, you can be faithful in giving. If other people can fast, you can fast. If other people can stop cussing, you can stop cussing. You know cussing only comes out of you because it's in you? You know how to, this is a practical step. If you want to stop cussing with your mouth, you got to stop cussing in your mind first. Because what happens is stuff happens and see, you don't, you've been in church long enough that you don't cuss out your mouth all the time. But you're cussing your head a lot. And then in a pressure situation, your mind can't catch it. Your mind can't catch it. And then you're like, oh, oh, I, all right, I did, yeah. So stop making excuses. Tell your neighbor, stop making excuses. Number four, keep the promises of God before you and speak the word. You got to speak the word. You know, we have this discussion all the time about whether you, should, whether you should curse or whether you should not curse. And really, here's the simple thing. Will cursing send you to hell? Nope. But there is a scripture that doesn't specifically say cursing, but here's what it does say. It says, avoid all corrupt communication. That also means some of them people you always talking about, you can turn, cut that out too. Avoid all corrupt communication. Does it build up? Does it edify? Does it make people better? Doesn't? Don't say it. Some of you will find out you don't have near as much to say if you quit talking about people. Some of you only got stuff to say because you talk about people. You just find something wrong with everybody. Ooh, her hair cute, but she need better product. How you know? All right. Number five, live in the expectation of seeing what God said. So God is faithful. Tell your neighbor God is faithful. And so you have to believe the Bible says he's not un, unrighteous to forget your labor of love. That is why I'm trying to get you to the point that anytime you give up something because God asks you to or you change your behavior, you do it as an act of love. I know I could do this and still be saved, but is this pleasing to God? It's just a real simple thing. It, like, I gave you five steps, but do you know the simplest way to live? When you get ready to do something, just be like, God, you cool with that? He cool, proceed. He not, stop. Typically, by the time you ask, if you got to ask, you already know the answer. The fact that you had to ask, God, are you cool with that? So, 